Hello out there and welcome to the future of work and sex tech, the podcast that looks at everything to do with work in the future. Today, Wonder CEO Claire Haydar and myself, Doug Folks, are joined by Dr. Lindsay Harper. Lindsay is an OBGYN who has moved away from daily practice and into the world of sex tech. She is the founder of Rosie, a research-based tech solution aimed at helping women with low libido and other sexual problems. Ladies, I feel outnumbered, but hello. Hi, Doug. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Doug. Hi. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I'm excited about this episode, and it's for the simple reason that future of work and sex are two great topics to mix with each other. Don't you agree? Well, absolutely. What could be more fun? Thanks for having me. Okay, Lindsay, you know, diving right in, um, I got to know you as an OBGYN and um, yeah, you are today running a sex company and it's a really, really exciting space that that you're working in. What I'd like to dive into first, because I think it's really going to set very much the foundation of the rest of this call is, can you talk to us specifically about the patients that you used to work with that prompted you to move in this direction that you're moving in now? And talk to us about some of the issues that particularly leaders in workplaces need to be thinking about when it comes to sex. Absolutely. So, you know, in my practice as an OBGYN, um, I had been really well trained and felt really competent and confident about my skills, you know, when helping patients through pregnancy, really through infertility, um, any surgical needs, contraception, um, STIs, all of that stuff was in my wheelhouse and I loved it. Um, but what I was noticing is, you know, with my patients, they, after some years or we developed some trust, they would share with me, um, you know, Dr. Harper, I love my partner. I love my husband, but I don't care if we ever have sex again. And this was not just one patient every once in a while. This was multiple patients every week. And unfortunately for those women, I had not been trained to help them um, in a way that was meaningful or that could help, you know, them through these times of life. And so that's really where the need for Rosie and the idea for Rosie was born is the gap in the available care and resources for women with sexual problems. Um, And, you know, over time, I did come to learn that there are evidence-based interventions for these women. It's just that their doctors aren't trained and then therefore the information doesn't get to the patients. So that's where for me, um, Rosie, you know, was was, um, conceptualized and also brought to fruition. And, you know, I think it's really important for um, leaders um, of, of other people today to understand, you know, that sexuality is a core part of who all of us are. Mm. And Lindsay, that that is exactly why I wanted to have you on our podcast is because if you look at it just through an HR lens and you look at it from a benefits perspective, you know, benefits companies understand are really important. And there's a whole menu of benefits that, that companies are now providing to people. But you don't see sexual health on that menu. And yet it is such a core part, as you say, of who we are as humans. And so to fundamentally ignore it is literally to almost like carve out a piece of every human working in your workplace and ignoring that piece of them, you know. And as you say, there's like so many societal 
norms and taboos wrapped about this topic that to think that it doesn't impact the person walking into your workspace every morning is something that I don't think leaders can ignore anymore. You said in the intro, Lindsay, that you've pivoted away more from the day-to-day practice and more into the world of sex tech. How do you believe that this will change the world for the better? Well, I think it's really going to have an impact not only on the women that we serve and our users, but also, as you can imagine, you know, when when a woman has a sexual question or problem, if that problem, if she feels so isolated in that problem, if she doesn't realize how common these things are, 38% of women have low sexual desire, then she walks around with you know, years and loads of unnecessary shame and embarrassment about these topics. And that can lead to so many other effects, right? It leads to lower self-esteem. It leads to less connectedness. It leads to higher, you know, worry that your partner might, um, you know, stray from the relationship. And of course, increased rates of, you know, separation and divorce, which have obviously downstream effects on our families. So when, you know, we can address these issues with women very openly and honestly, and respectfully, and when we can deliver evidence-based interventions for these women, then, you know, that that has the possibility of being life-changing. And what we know is that women, once they have the language and the permission to speak about sexual topics and problems freely, that they're much more likely to get help for those issues. They're much more likely to um, discuss it openly with their partners. I mean, from my side, you know, looking Looking in, it, it, it certainly seems something that at the heart of it, you're really looking at the individual and you're looking at, at say, their relationships. But how does that then relate into work? How does it impact work for the better? Well, you can imagine, it, you know, if you have un- had the unfortunate experience of you know, going through a divorce, or if you know anyone who has, which are, you know, they're half of the population then of married people, then you know what just an absolute drain and strain that can be on a person, right? Not only is it the time necessary to, you know, do all the paperwork, get all the, get everything taken care of. It's the monetary drain. It's the, you know, emotional and um, intellectual capacity drain. So just imagine if we could reduce just simple speaking, the number of divorces of our workforce and what a boost of productivity and creativity that that would um, be a result of that because of the sort of removal of the strain that's placed on people during those really stressful times. You can almost just like see like a, a ripple impact, you know, like a ripple on a pond where you improve a woman's sexuality that goes to her husband so it's not only her in her workplace that's functional and better and healthier but it it impacts the husband and and that extends to you know all the the full sexual spectrum it ripples out like every person that that person is in relationship with gets impacted by the positiveness of this and and so it i really really do think we're fully underestimating the strength of the positive impact that this really can have. Sex and self-esteem are, are very closely interconnected and work and self-esteem have an equally close relationship. So how do you see those three playing together? You know, when a person has a strong sense of self, when a person feels confident both at work and in the bedroom, the levels of performance, the levels of satisfaction, the levels of connectedness in in both of those places are much higher. And so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, where does self-esteem, where does self-confidence come from, right? It comes from, you know, taking tiny risks 
and being and having those tiny risks pay off. And then, you know, it comes from taking action. And the same applies at work and in the bedroom, right? Are we able to feel safe? Are we able to feel supported whenever we take a small risk? And what is the outcome of that risk? Is it shame and blame if it goes wrong? Or is it, you know, an encouragement and support? And I think that both um, situations, both sex and work, you know, it's our responsibility as leaders and as partners to meet both situations with, you know, encouragement and respect for risk taking. And that is what builds self-confidence in both situations. And the more risks that we're willing to take, maybe the more confidence that we can build at work and in the bedroom with our partners. And, And that all feeds into one another, because if you have that experience in one situation, maybe you're more likely to have it in the other as well. Moving on to the next thing that I want to delve into, which is still related to this very topic, is one of the incredible powers of sex tech is that it is bringing humans back to their bodies, which is this whole point that I've just made. They're starting to connect the dots between physical signals, mental patterns and needs. I personally feel, based on you know all the work that I've been doing my entire career, that in order for people to improve work, a similar coming together of the body needs to happen. People need to understand how their physical body is reacting to work and the signals and the triggers that they're experiencing in work. Would you agree or disagree with that? Not only at work, but even fundamental to healthcare in general, that that is absolutely necessary. I think the more that you know, we as individuals and then collectively as organizations can identify, you know, how, when we're feeling a certain emotion, you know, how that shows up physically and how those things can all be related to the thoughts that are created, you know, by our brains and our certain circumstances that just has the power to unlock, um, amazing potential, um, you know, at all levels. And so I really do think that the integration, when people can fully understand that, which we're able to do on an individual level now using technology, that the power that lies there is is really huge. And it doesn't, you know, I think it takes some practice, but once you're able to start identifying patterns, those patterns can be um, interrupted pretty reliably um, just after, you know, a a small amount of practice. So it sounds really big and and hard to attain, but actually, you know, when you start to do it, 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 the change happens more easily. So I would definitely agree that that's important for healthcare, that's important for sexuality, that's important for work, and all of those things can be helped using, you know, uh, tech these days for sure. So talk about those, those patterns that you're referring to and how they can be interrupted. And, you know, please feel free to share a little bit specifically with, you know, with us about how Rosie works. I think it, it is really important for our listeners to understand how simple yet profound these changes can be when they're so small and incremental. Absolutely. So, you know, for example, within Rosie, when we're speaking in a context of sexual function, um, you know, there's many women who report low desire. And then because of that low desire for for a myriad of reasons, whenever their partner makes a makes a sweet advance, for example, a kiss or even just maybe a handhold or a hug or a touch, then the low desire partner will retreat and pull back. And it's not because they are averse to the sweet gesture, to the kind and loving gesture 
gesture, but it's because they're averse to what they think is coming next, right? Which is the expectation for sex. And so that pattern is very, can be very negative and disruptive in where the lower desire partner then pulls away from all physical touch, which then therefore worsens the problem. And I think that that, um, you know, situation or that set of circumstances can be applied in, in work situations, you know, where we have a, a thought that we come into a meeting with, or we come into a relationship with, and that colors the entire interaction and maybe unnecessarily so. So whenever we can identify that thought and maybe the physical sort of response we have to that thought, then we can really do the work to say, you know what, I am um, bringing my own story into this. And it actually has nothing to do with the motivation or the context of the other person um, and start to extricate those two things, then I think that we can make, you know, work relationships and work productivity a lot more straightforward. Um, It takes some introspection on both accounts, um, but that work can be done. And once you're aware of those things, it becomes much easier to do. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay, you know, that's where I actually see quite a bit of um, similarity between Patton, our product, and Rosie in that sense, in that we're identifying, you know, with Patton, those literal workflows that are happening in the background in companies because of the way people are working in SaaS applications that they may not even be aware of. You know, there's so many bad habits that people bring into tech and how they use it to work that they're completely, it's completely subconscious. It's They're not realizing that these things are happening. And by unsurfacing those and actually just showing that to people um, immediately creates that shift in the brain where the neural activity goes, hang on a minute, this is not, as you say, I'm bringing my stuff into this and it's actually not really helpful you know and then you can very quickly through very small steps just change it and there's so much power in that like just changing you know those small things one at a time awareness is such a big part of it. You know, that's exactly what you're talking about with pattern. That's a lot of what we do with Rosie is, hey, you know, examine, is this behavior serving me? Is it helping me to accomplish my stated goals? And if and if it's not, and then people are aware of that, then they're very open to change because obviously that doesn't make, doesn't make any logical sense. So I, I think that that's very similar. You know, that's what excites me so much about the future of work as well is that you use the word integration. I think we're moving into a place and I think COVID in particular is actually just going to accelerate this forward is that we're looking at bringing a more integrated human, a more whole human to work because we realize that if we do that, we will get better work results out of it. And part of that is is unearthing, as you say, like making people aware of simple things that really impact how they're working, you know, when they're working, why they're working in a certain way. And it's empowering because we're moving work from this single dimensional lens of output. You know, I'm, I'm paid money to produce to I'm coming to work as a whole human to improve people around me to grow as a human and to produce at the same time. I couldn't agree more. And that's really the way that we try to you know, lead our team is, you know, if we can come to work as being integrated with our, you know, 
quote unquote whole hearts. And we can really, you know, try to dig deeper when there's a disagreement or when there's, um, you know, a reaction that was unexpected and understand the context in which that was offered. That I think that not only does that go into increasing the output of the team, but it also goes into increasing the, the potential of the team. I want to take the conversation a little bit to the dark side. Um, you know, when you start bringing sex and work together in the same conversation, one of the knee-jerk reactions that happens is workplace harassment comes up as a massive topic. And I mean, not in our too distant past, we've had and still are having the repercussions of the whole Me Too movement. Talk to me about education around the topic of sex and specifically how that education needs to be playing out in workplaces today. Yeah, I mean, there's such a huge correlation between adequate and accurate education and, you know, the respect that we have for our own bodies and for others' bodies. And so when we can offer, you know, actual, legitimate and accurate um, nomenclature for body parts to our children, when we can teach them that, you know, their body is their own and they don't have to accept hugs or tickles or kisses from anyone else. And that when someone else says stop, that that means stop no matter what. Raising your children with those three fundamental sort of pieces can really change the way that, you know, they as individuals view their bodies and other people's bodies. But also, you know, if we can raise a generation of, of children like that, then hopefully it'll change the way society, um, you know, views um, agency and ownership over over someone else's body. And so, you know, if we are not offered that, right, our generation, I'll speak for myself, I was not offered those things when I was growing up, um, then we miss out on, you know, the fundamental changes in our brain that happen when we learn those, those, you know, bits of information. So I think that it's exciting, um, you know, in the workplace to say, and you may want to have it completely separate, you know, it doesn't have to be integrated in a, into like a, a Monday morning meeting, but it could be a lunch and learn. It could be a book club. There could be so many opportunities for, you know, for leaders to take, um, to take charge of this conversation and say, Hey, I don't know what I'm talking about, but this woman does, or this expert does. And then, you know, say as part of our, you know, um, sort of educational programming, this is what we're going to talk about. And it doesn't have to be anything emotional or um, sleazy or salacious. It can all be very fact-based. And that just those educational pieces can change just like they change the way that children or they're fundamental to forming the way that children think about themselves. They can change the way that adults think about themselves and other people as well. I think one of the things that we often miss if you look at the whole Me Too movement as well as typical workplace harassment conversations that happen. So whether that's conferences, whether that's HR briefings, you know, those type of things. I think we're missing the the obligation piece that there is a whole bunch of education. So if you look at where the focus is right now in these areas, it's very much on what I would call the legislative slide of things. So it's it's naming the people that need to be named, you know, that are perpetrators in this area. And it's very much bringing that that entire cycle to justice, which is a really critical piece. And I'm not in any way downplaying it. But I think the more long lasting side of this is that education side. And I, I like the fact that you're using the word obligation because I personally feel as a business owner that I do have an obligation towards my workforce to 
make this a topic of discussion, make this a thing inside the company that, hey, part of you coming to work as a whole being is that you're a sexual being and, you know, bringing that education in. And as you say, it's not necessarily appropriate for an all hands meeting, but it certainly can be factored in into so many other creative ways inside companies. Lindsay, like many of us, you are an entrepreneur. You're living in the same current reality that has changed dramatically over the last four to six months. How and what are you doing to prepare your company and your team for for work in the next two years? Yeah, I think this has been such a um, an opportunity for us to really, you know, we've we've talked about from the beginning, which was a year ago, roughly. We hired our first employees in August of 2019 um, about the possibility of working remotely, about the flexibility that that um, you know confers, and wouldn't that be great was sort of the was sort of the mantra and then of course you know like many companies who were not working remotely before we were all of a sudden thrust into the realities of that the possibility for the choice of remote work is now firmly in place within our organization and you know we feel confident that we could accomplish those um, those tasks with at least as much efficiency as we did before. Um, and so in that way, I think that there's opportunities for us that were not there before. I think that, you know, we're able to um, expand our, our hiring opportunities. We're able to, you know, um, optimize um, content recording in ways that weren't possible and involved a lot of travel before. So it's forced us to think outside of, of our previously self-imposed constraints. And I I think that in the long run, it will actually help us to operate much more efficiently and cost effectively. Before we move completely off of the the topic of, of COVID, I want to ask you just a random out of the, the box question yet, Lindsay. Pandemics bring gifts. And I'm specifically asking you this question because you're a doctor. So you're viewing this not only through the lens of a CEO, but also as a doctor, as a medical profession. So you're experiencing this very differently to the average person on the street who doesn't have the medical background that you do. There's gifts, they're not necessarily very obvious right now, but what do you think it is that we're being gifted through going through this pandemic as a globe? There's probably more than one gift. I think that it's offering us an opportunity to sort of sit still that that personally I would have never probably taken full advantage of. I love to go, go, go. I love to travel. I love to be super, in my mind, efficient and productive, as you know, Claire. Um, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? It, sometimes, you know, the world has different ideas. And I think this is one of those times where no matter how much we want to push against that intrinsic need to go, we can't, right? And we have to sit with that and we have to really examine why is it that we feel that way? What about our culture or our own internal sort of um, beliefs makes us think that that is the only way to, you know, to proceed and be successful? Um, so for me, I'm trying to take advantage of that, Um in every way that we can, you know, I think that the pace of life that our family was living prior to this was is was crazy. I recognize it at the time, um, but now this there's such an opportunity to 
to kind of press pause, take a minute um, and and be with our families more. Um, but also it requires a lot of creative thinking, right? Which is something that as entrepreneurs, we pride ourselves in, but this is a new level, right? How do we continue to get our message across? How do we continue to connect with customers? There's some opportunity in that or some, some solace is that we're all going through the same thing. And there will be companies that figure it out and there will be companies that won't. And, you know, I know that, you know, at least you and I want to be the ones that do. And so I think that, you know, that opportunity for creative thinking really um, is, is a good thing as well. Naturally, having to sit at home with your family is going to highlight if there's sexual dysfunction in your relationship. Have, have you guys seen any of that data surfacing um, in Rosie's usage over the last few months? And do you think that it's, it's shaped some of the offerings that you guys are bringing out? Rosie is a, is a freemium app. So there's a free version of it and a paid version of it. And during COVID, our subscription rates have doubled, actually. So of the users that are engaged with Rosie, you know, they're much more likely to do so in a serious and committed manner. So we, um, you know, our, our casual um, users have, have really committed to, you know what, I've got some, maybe some extra time, or maybe there's, maybe there's a, you know, a more pressing um, motivator at play there, which is is maybe my, you know, my relationship is more stressed than it was. And I really am willing to make the investment both, both fiscally and, um, you know, of time to, to work towards these things. So that's been very encouraging. Another piece that's been, um, that I love in the data is that, you know, Rosie has lots of components that are all evidence-based and one of them is erotica, which is just, you know, like written, um, stories that have romantic, um, interludes basically. And this is evidence-based to improve, um, desire and our erotica usage has really gone through the roof uh, during the pandemic as well and you know so I, fascinating. I love I know it is fascinating <laughs> I love that piece of it because it really shows that people are you know willing to explore they're willing to try new things and we know from research that that is what leads to um, successful long-term sexual relationships and so I just love that our readers or our users rather are understanding that message and taking full advantage of it. Lindsay, we're coming towards the end of our time, but before I hand over to Claire, just to finish off with the last couple of questions, I'd just like to ask you how you've personally changed how you work as a CEO in this current work environment. I love to... Um, to get things done and to cross things off the list. But this, I have really had to do some self-reflection and understand that it's up to me as the leader to bring the team together um, from wherever we are working. And that takes um, an investment of, you know, of energy and of time and things that don't necessarily seem um, to me in my previous sort of life as as um, necessary are actually very imperative. So taking time to, you know, just socialize with the team, taking time to connect for, you know, lunches or for meetings, really encouraging team members as often as possible to be on video and not just audio so that we can, you know, there's so much to to um, body language and to, you know, facial sort of signals and um, just really finding ways for the team to understand the importance of that connection and then also to implement it while we're all, you know, in a high stress time where, you know, we launched some new features during this time. We've, we've had a lot going on and it's really important to take time for that piece of connection that we miss out on, you know, when we're not in the office. 
if you were through the the lens of a doctor, but also the context of this whole conversation, somebody working towards making the world a place where people are bringing more of their whole selves to work, what would some of the tips be that you would give people around how they should be approaching their average working day? You know, um, I think it's interesting some of the the thought work actually that we talked about earlier, which is to try to, to do some introspection and to think, you know, if you're if you have a feeling, right, if you're feeling a certain way, whether it's anxious, whether it's tired, whether it's disconnected, to really try to get to the root of that feeling and understand, you know, why it exists. Because I think during this time specifically, um, those feelings are, you know, very um, present and apparent and pervasive and can affect our relationships, our, you know, sexual relationships and also our our working um, relationships and productivity. And so I think the more time that we allow for ourselves, right, the more space that we allow for introspection, the more opportunity there is to kind of get to the root of that. Where is that coming from? Is it Is it that I feel anxious about my family's safety in the midst of a pandemic? Is it that I, you know, have got to get out of here and go? Well, if that's the case, why? Like, what is it that's driving these negative feelings? And then if you can really take the opportunity to work through those, I think it will help, as we said, Claire, to be really integrated when you're trying to be present with your, um, with your friendships, with your children, with your, you know, intimate partners and with your working relationships. COVID is really kind of a stress test, right? We're kind of on a treadmill asking to that and the doctor's asking us to run for, you know, however, an hour it feels like, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's, it really highlights the opportunities that we have to improve ourselves as individuals, as organizations and, and as partners as well. We need to realize that every single human being around us, like literally the stranger driving next to us down the highway right now, is pretty much in that like high stress cortisol release state. Um, And it's simply because of the massive unknown that we're all facing every day. I think recognizing that for ourselves and being gentle with ourselves, and as you say, taking that time is just so critical because it's also about the time that you take actually kicks your body out of that that stress reaction mode and helps you to, to get back to the functional state that we should all be trying to be in. Just to close this off, um, what are the things that you want us, myself, and all of our listeners to really be caring about deeply? with regards to work in the next two years. But you know, I think that one of the most important things that we can do as leaders is really recognize sort of the beautiful and distinct individuality of each of the people that quit their previous job came and and had faith in us as leaders and in our mission as companies and show up, you know, to to contribute significantly every day despite what's going on in their personal lives, despite what's going on in the world around us. You know, harking back to the work that I do, sexuality is a piece of that. We cannot ignore it just like we cannot ignore mental health, we cannot ignore, you know, physical health, um financial stressors, all these things that that may be going on in the individual lives of our employees. And we have to find, you know, safe spaces where we can really support um, these these parts of the of the people that have all of this faith and trust in us. And we have to do our part to live up to that responsibility. 
Lindsay, thank you so much for taking this time. Um, really appreciate it and exceptionally excited about what you guys are building and, and doing with Rosie. Um, particularly excited about the telehealth um, piece that you guys are launching, as well as the classes that you mentioned to us, you know, the classes for cancer patients, classes for people who are experiencing sexual pain, females going through menopause, and the very interesting one around um, religion and how it impacts our sexuality. And the reason why I'm particularly excited about those pieces and I'm highlighting them on the podcast here is because I think these things that you guys are introducing now into Rosie as part of your offerings are actually some of the things that corporates and particularly workplaces are really going to be able to gravitate towards and make this part of their benefits offering, which I think is just going to further our aims to make the world a better place. So. All the best with those endeavors and thank you for all that you're doing for the world. Well, thank you, Claire. Thanks for having me and thanks for planting so many of the seeds that we talked about today in my mind to begin with. And um, I'm just so, you know, appreciative to you and Doug as well for all the work that y'all do. So thanks so much. Okay, so there you have it. Sex tech and the future of work. Two things I never thought I'd say in the same sentence. Lindsay, from my side, thank you very much for your time and putting that time, this time aside. Uh, Claire, as always, thank you for arranging, organising everything. That's all we have time for today. Certainly looking forward to seeing you back for more top of mind conversations soon. Be safe out there.